Perhaps history's most underrated American hero. Today, we explore the unbelievable life of Frank J. Wilson, a crime-fighting, real-life Sherlock who solved some of his era's most famous crimes. You excited? You? <laughs> yeah, <Me>? you. <laughs> yeah, pumped. <laughs> you thought I was asking the listeners? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. sense. It wouldn't make sense. Talking yeah. in their ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway... So if you're looking at this guy's picture, which you're probably not because this is a podcast, but if you pulled up on your phone, right. you can see it, Mr. Levi. Uh, he mm-hmm. just basically looks like an old nerd in this picture. And that kind of is what he is. Uh, Frank Wilson was a lifelong nerd, but a badass one. And um, I think his story is super underrated after reading his whole life. I think you're about to be mind blown that no one's ever really heard of him. Born in Buffalo, New York in 1887, Uh, Frank Wilson was essentially a nerd in his childhood. There's not a lot on his childhood. I tried to find as much as I could, but for some reason, his early life was kind of, um, I don't know. Nerdy. Yeah, nerdy is the the only things I could find on it. Uh, And that he would read encyclopedias. Apparently, he had this number obsession. He loved counting. And so he would compulsively count like everything, so like steps or anything. He would just be counting all the time. So he was a big numbers freak. Uh, And he was really good at math and science, obviously, because he's a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But not much. Not that there's anything anything wrong wrong with that. that. No, it's important. STEM. Uh, But not much else is really known about his childhood. So after high school, Wilson worked as an accountant for several years at a local bank. And following that, at a young age, I don't exactly know how this happened, but he was hired to work for the FDA in his like twenties, his early twenties. Uh, so he that was just a, it was a pretty big job at the time for him. Um, but after his stint in the FDA, which only lasted about a year, he joined the U.S. Army for World War One. But he would later, because he's such a nerd, he got he got discharged for his poor eyesight. Uh, oh. <laughs> they were like this guy. <laughs> Bad eyes, so they had to oh, kick him out. Jeez. Yeah, so following, you know, his tenure with the military. I'm sure he was good at other things. Come well, on. yeah, it gets intense. Uh, so after his time with the military, he gets hired by the DOJ, the Department of Justice, uh, specifically in the Fair Price Commission. And that's because his particular skills were within finance and accounting. And so he does this for a while. And then uh, after a while doing that, at the age of 33, he became an agent for the U.S. Treasury Department Internal Revenue Bureau Intelligence Unit, which is today known as the IRS. So that's just like, that already is an impressive resume, and that's just his early life. That's before the shit really gets crazy. So nerd who turned to the FDA, went to the Army, didn't have good enough eyesight for the <laughs> Army... Which is important because you got to aim a gun. Right, right. Uh, and then works for the IRS. Yeah. And okay. he's, a, he's so, a pretty important figure in the IRS. Back to his back to his nerd roots, as you keep saying. <laughs> so so <laughs> while he's working in the IRS, uh, it's during the Prohibition. <clears throat> and throughout the Prohibition, he, he gained a reputation for being kind of an obsessive numbers guy and an, an obsessive accountant with his boss. Right, because he likes to count. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so the form, his boss, the former IRS director, his name was Elmer L. Mm-hmm. I. Ray. I like his yeah, name. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's a little hard to say. Elmer, Elmer L. I. Ray. L. I. Ray. Uh, he stated, this is one of his famous quotes about Wilson, Wilson fears nothing that walks. He will sit quietly looking at books 18 hours a day, seven days a week, forever, if he wants to find something in those books. Books he's referring to as in like... Like number books, like the, the keeping books and all that. Right. Accounting. Stuff, you know? It's a fair, fairly <laughs> yeah, common term. Yeah, 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 yeah. Books. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, nah, he wasn't written okay. in Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, Al Capone was at his peak of power. So the mobster himself. Capone was a notorious gangster and a bootlegger. Uh, President Herbert Hoover at the time had made it his main objective to catch Capone. And, you know, so this is during the Prohibition. Capone's, you know, doing all this underground gambling and uh, alcohol and all that stuff. And so after several attempts of Hoover catching this guy, uh, through, he was using all brute force tactics, just raiding places and shooting everyone up. They were unsuccessful. They, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. They couldn't catch him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Capone, so I'm okay. sure everyone's familiar with Al Capone. That's a famous figure, but... Who? <laughs> yeah. Al. Uh, so Hoover... Alan Capone? Al, no, Al Capone. Oh. So Hoover approaches the IRS and attempts to catch Capone through tax evasion and fraud because he knew that he couldn't really catch him in the act of doing something that was going to be impossible so that he'd have to go through the books to get this guy. Right. Because he's the head guy. He's not right. doing it so the by only, hand on mm-hmm. the street. What are you? The only way he could get okay. him was through tax evasion or fraud. Sure. So Hoover appoints With the Frank, Frank J. Wilson. To lead the investigation on Capone. <laughs> so now Wilson and his team, he had six other forensic accountants. They These guys got together and examined two million documents and interrogated hundreds of leads within the mob. Yet everyone was too afraid of Capone to say anything. So they didn't really have, they, they would bring these guys in and do everything they could to interrogate them. But more people were way more afraid of Capone than they were of the government at the time. Which is understandable. Yeah. Yeah. And so they couldn't get anything out of them. And uh, so Wilson decides to do something else. He took a different strategy. And instead of sending an agent to do this, Wilson himself went undercover as a mafia member. And he successfully found three ledgers, like book ledgers, accountant books, <laughs> back to the books, mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from an underground gambling operation. The aforementioned <laughs> accounting books. Callback. You haven't heard, yeah. <laughs> so he goes under. He goes undercover as a as a mafia member. Finds these three ledger books at an underground gambling operation, and he contain. He believed that these books contained uh, references to Capone in them. So to was this one of Zhang Sing's casinos? <laughs> <laughs> Another callback. Look at all these references. <laughs> Episode one, everyone. So to prove this, he had to analyze and compare the ledger handwriting. Um, to 200 of Capone's associates. And it, this took him like a year to do. And eventually they actually found a match. And so after collecting more evidence, uh, Wilson was prepared to indict Capone. The mafia had caught wind of it. So now they're aware that this guy's coming after him. He's got the evidence with these ledger books and everything. So Capone's freaking out. And he decides, I got I to gotta take this guy out. So he hires a hitman. Well, several hitmen actually to kill Frank Wilson, and he author, he Al Capone hires yeah, the hitman. Al Capone. Yeah. Okay. So he offers thousands of dollars to whoever can kill this guy. 
a lot of them were uh, hitmen from New York at the time that were coming out to in the, to Chicago to kill him. And um, the state had the, the state attorney's office actually caught wind of the hitmen. And so the day that the hitmen actually came there to attempt assassination on him, uh, they were in the same hotel as Wilson. They actually got caught. So it was like that close. They were just like minutes away from killing him and they got caught. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> and so a month later, Capone was indicted and sentenced to 11 years and charged $300,000, which really overall. Right. No, not very much. Because he had millions, millions him. of dollars and 11 <laughs> years for what he did. I think he was making like, uh, I don't know, around like a couple million a day just from like low level drug yeah, sales. Yeah. Well, he was bootleg alcohol mostly, I think was his big this big thing during the prohibition. <laughs> so that, I mean, but they got him. And because of that, after that charge, the whole thing pretty much collapsed. And that's really when the mob kind of dissipated, at least Al Capone's mob. So Wilson was really credited for the collapse of Al Capone and his mob, but his name hardly ever gets brought up. And so in his time with the IRS, uh, he caught over 15,000 tax evaders which was the record most for one agent alone to do that single-handedly. So he was just going full badass at that time, taking out the mob and uh, with only six other guys and then uh, got 15,000 tax evaders. So don't (laughs) evade your taxes. How long was his career at the IRS? I want to say a while. (laughs) Oh, you want to say a while? He was there for a while. Well, he he gets promoted to some other positions later in life. Only the best information here. <laughs> and unsung. Uh, so we're going to move on to this next chapter of his life. So that was <laughs> uh, that was a huge mark in his career. And he kind of got famous within his department at the time. But not the public never really caught wind of who this guy was. So anyways, this is where he gets a little bit of fame. It was 1932, and Charles Lindbergh, uh, the 20-month-old son of the celebrity couple Charles and Anne Lindbergh, was kidnapped. So Charles and Anne, I had to do some research because I felt like I had known their names, but I didn't know exactly who they were. I thought that maybe they were actors and actresses. They both did a little acting and modeling in their career, but they were actually famous for aviation. So they had both. He was actually the first person to ever fly from America to Europe, I believe, was his first really big famous thing. And they... Both were famous pilots and they got married. And uh, so they were a pretty big celebrity couple at the time because, you know, back in the early 1900s, if you flew a plane, that was celebrity status for you. Right. <laughs> so, How'd you do it? So these guys are famous, pretty wealthy. They had a 20 month old son. Well, he got kidnapped and a ransom letter was left behind at the scene demanding thousands of dollars for the child. And I think the money, uh, the rate like in today's money they were basically asking for about half a million dollars so the federal government was involved immediately and frank j wilson came forth with a plan to catch to catch the guy so he wasn't actually appointed for this but he came up with an idea so he had this idea that the government would provide the ransom money in exchange for the child and then they would track the serial number on this gold certificate so they used some money and some gold certificates which were used i guess at banks at the time uh, it was similar to, I don't know, maybe like a check. I don't know exactly what to compare it to. It was like, a cashier's check or like a money Yeah, order? I guess. But it was literally made of gold and it had uh, like a serial number on it and they could track that. So they said, oh, we'll put that in with the ransom money and see 
if the serial number turns up anywhere, and then we can track this guy down. Uh, unfortunately, though, the child had already been murdered for several days, but Frank was successful at catching the murderer by tracking the serial number on the ransom. Hey. Right, which was a huge hope. High so pro- it worked yeah, out. Uh, it didn't work out because the kid was dead. But I mean, not for yeah, the. But they did catch right. the guy. But for the they, they and this had gone on for months before they the government let him get involved and actually follow this plan because they weren't giving the money. They refused to give the ransom money for a while, and so this went on for months. And so they waited till just days. They after. They kept receiving more letters from the guy that kidnapped it, like the child, and. um so they finally went to Frank and said, all right, let's do your plan. We'll give him the money and then we'll, we'll see if we can track him down. And they tracked him, but the child had already been dead at the time. Yeah, they caught the guy. So if they would have acted Yeah, early. you always have that. Nice. But this was a, a huge high profile case at the time. It's a really famous uh, kidnap murder case. And the way that they tracked him down was kind of at that time, that was state of the art kind of thinking. Hmm. So after this part of his career... Frank gets appointed by Hoover to be the director of the Secret Service. So, because <laughs> he's so good at solving all these cases and these mysteries. Right. And the Secret <clears throat> Service at the time was just for counterfeit. Yeah, right? which is actually. Or was that before this? No, time? that was, that's at this time. That was pretty much the main yeah, stick, that, the, that makes which sense. Which makes sense because that's where he's going. <laughs> with tracking with a serial number. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's basically in his so, uh, under While he's directing the Secret Service, he designed a nationwide program educational program that's called know your money and that taught i think it's even still used today it's modified but i think it still exists. it still exists what it did was they'd go around and teach business owners and and the general public and they'd even go in schools and stuff sometimes they would teach them how to spot to spot counterfeit money at the time because it was a lot easier than today's money to counterfeit back then and but he had all the tricks to spot it he was a pro yeah. Did they have like the watermarks that you hold up the light? Yeah, or? I think there were other ways. I think that, that he later? found like they had some kind of tool that they would actually poke money with and be like, if it pokes like this, it's fake. I didn't really understand the whole. Yeah. <laughs> that seems hard to teach over. Yeah, well. Um, <laughs> without hands on. It sounds yeah. hard, but it was that's actually fine. super successful. And that's another huge mark of his career. Uh, he ended up eliminating 98% of the estimated counterfeit money in circulation <laughs> and pretty much ended all counterfeit that existed through this program in the 30s and 40s. And they were able to track down under his direction most of the counterfeit money and where it was uh, being distributed out of. I'm starting to think this Frank J. Wilson guy was pretty good at his job. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so then at the end of his career, uh, he had retired and... Aww. He became a successful author, and he went on to write several national news columns and a number of books, a lot of which were on accounting and numbers. And he wrote books about the books. And he went on. Uh, books are an accounting term, meaning the uh, the number sheets that they use to keep track right, of yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, You know yeah. what books are? No. <laughs> yeah. He, he made he uh, made several books, and a lot of them were also autobiographies. I think his best-selling ones were um, – he had some autobiographies telling his life story and how he took down the mob, solved a famous murder, and eliminated counterfeit money from the <laughs> American public economy. Just a right. few little things. And then after living 83 years, he died – in 1970, in Washington D.C. So this guy lived for a while—83 years at that time. That's a—that's an old age. <clears throat> and that was the story of uh, Frank J. Wilson, who's probably America's most underrated hero. If you think about the impact everything 
he did. I mean, I've never heard of no, him. No, I I never heard of this guy, and I was reading his story. I was like, holy <laughs> crap, this guy is... The... I've heard of the criminal he's taken right, down. Right, you've heard of the bad guy. Took down. And the murderer, right. maybe. Because they don't... They make more movies about the bad guy. Right. That's all. But I, I would say, if anyone out there is making movies or thinking about uh, making a biopic, keep Frank J. Wilson in mind. <laughs> <laughs> or Shang-Chi. <laughs> 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 Frank J. Wilson was an introvert, a nerdy math kid who loved to count obsessively. His intellect led him to a successful career, catching 15,000 tax evaders, leading the war on the mob, successfully taking down Al Capone, solving the Lindbergh murder, and eliminating counterfeit money from the economy. Frank J. Wilson was simply a stone-cold mercenary who stood for justice, hard work, and loyalty. Bada boom! And what do you stand for? Hustle, loyalty, and respect. <laughs> <laughs> Your time is up, my time Always is up. with the scene of references. Folks, I hope. I like a cheat, I For next week, next Tuesday, episode three, I won't reveal who it is. And four, and four. dude. But for episode three, Three Two in particular. Two's I have a feeling that day. you're really going to enjoy. You, Levi, specifically, are really going to enjoy episode three. And then for Female Power, episode four, we'll be looking into the life of a very special woman who was a, Oprah a Jill of all trades, if you know what I'm saying. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> not Oprah. It's not Oprah. Oh, nice. man. No, yeah. Yeah, right, 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 right. So it'll be a good three and four next Tuesday. Two episodes. Yeah. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. They don't call it Tuesday for nothing. I'm right. <laughs> At the end, we always end it on see you next Tuesday. Uh, hey. That's it. Nice. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to Unsung. We'll be back next Tuesday with two new stories. Isn't that right, wrong? Oh, crap. I forgot to press record. <laughs> I did it again. Oh, you forgot to press same record joke. again. You did it again. Folks. The same uh, joke. Same joke. He's going to do it every single time, but. He's got no new material, folks. No new material. <laughs> well, be sure to subscribe if you like the show and leave us a review to let us know Ooh. what you think. Preferably five stars. Yeah, five really. stars. Helpful. A good review. But if we're asking us. for five stars, they're probably going to troll us. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not asking. asking you. I'm just, give us your honest opinion. If True, we do need to make improvements. Well, Unsung is researched. Wow. <laughs> Unsung is researched and written by Ryan Muskin. Production and original music is by me. Levi. Levi Rainey, folks. Right. He's good. He's got his job. So, we'll see you next Tuesday. Baby <laughs> <case>. Adios. <laughs>